Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Greasters, I hope you're having an okay week today. I'm recording this and the sun is shining in London and the blossom is out and that is oh, making me feel so much better. Um, we had Mother's Day at the weekend, if you're listening in real time. Uh, I hope it was as okay as these things can be. Um, thank you to everyone on Twitter who joined in with the hashtag uh, DMC. Um, we're just it was just amazing social media is not always the nicest of places but um it was so nice it was so nice watching people help each other out and offer advice and i'd like to apologize for not really checking the hashtag because i tried to click uh, just dmc and I'm, it seems to be a gaming thing a lot of gaming stuff came up so i'm really sorry if it was it was hard to find some of the tweets but um thank you to those who joined in and helped each other and it was just yeah it was really really amazing to see we have a live grief cast coming up on june the 6th at the underbelly festival on the south bank in london um guests to be announced the usual thing would be me talking to three comedians about grief and death and um having a nice time hopefully while doing it do head to the underbelly website for details if you would like to see it this week's guest is writer robin hollingworth robin has written an incredible book it's called my mad dad the diary of an unraveling mind um it's yeah it's very sensational it's the 
diary that she kept while she was looking after uh, her dad who had dementia. I won't go into too many details because I think you should buy it and read it. Um, But uh, obviously Robin came in to talk to me about her dad who died from dementia and about her mum as well who died from cancer just before her dad passed away from dementia over 10 years ago now. Um, It's an incredible story and uh, as ever a testament to the power of humans and what we can cope with and deal with and as I said I thoroughly recommend the book as well. Here she is. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with writer Robin Hollingworth. I say everybody's name every week with a panic and I was even even I know it's Hollingworth. I know it is. Your book's there. I suddenly thought it's Hollingsworth. No, everyone, yeah. Hollingworth, fine. That's fine. Carry mm-hmm. on. One, if you listen to this show weekly, you know the constant here's their name um hello robin hello ron burgundy ron Bur- robin holland burgundy Wormandy. lloyd jones um because you are welsh sorry that's why i made that whereabouts in wales are you from well i, I well i'm a bit of a mutt really so i grew up in pontypool but right. i was born in the middle east i was born in dubai were you yeah and my brother was born in kenya Wow. And then we lived, <laughs> this is really bizarre, then we lived in Papua New Guinea for a while. Oh my God. And then my dad was Welsh, well, kind of, I'll get to that. And uh, my mum was Scottish, but they wanted us to be schooled in the UK. So we moved back to Wales, into the glamour of Pontypool, which I loved. And then we found out after my dad died that he wasn't Welsh, he was born in London during the Blitz. He was a war baby. Oh my God. So he was sent out on a train as a tiny baby with a little kind of tag attached to him. Wow. To live with what we now believe to be kind of, sort of second or third relatives um oh my god so, yeah kind of think about looking at his family past but yeah really when after he died actually my brother and i go oh, diving right in you yeah <laughs> no go for it my brother and i we do a thing like I, I think i tweeted about this um we do a thing like we celebrate their births and not their deaths like jesus you know so we do more <laughs> around christmas less around easter yeah. just eat chocolate and watch telly um so on one of his birthdays the anniversary of his birthday we decided we found his birth certificate after oh, he died wow. so we we found out that he had been born in a house in Maida Vale so we were like right well well I was still living in London at the time my brother was in Wales so he came into Paddington we walked along the canal to Maida Vale to find this street so we found the street we were walking up it looking for the number of the house and the house the street just kind of stopped in the middle and then there was this fence and a playground and so we were walking up and down and somebody came out the house eventually and said I'm sorry can I help you you look lost yeah we're like oh we're looking for this number and he said I've I've lived here for 30 years it's only ever gone up to 29 Wow. So, so was, the house must was, have been bombed during the war. It must have been bombed. Mm. God, so it was just not there. Yeah. Wow. So it was weird. So we've never really kind of looked any more into it. Wow. Other than that. But we do consider ourselves Welsh because I think where you're from is more about where you feel you're from. It's yeah. not It's not what's on a birth certificate. It's not, yeah. uh, you know, where you were born or where your parents are from. I think it's where you feel. Yeah, yeah. When you And you have to say that because Welsh people get a bit funny sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We're moody, <laughs> Which is saying someone who's half Welsh, and then some Welsh people are like, "You're not Welsh. <laughs> You're not from there." They're probably like, "Well, yeah. Do you speak Welsh or Shalak Kamrai?" Um, no. Do we even Shalak Kamrai? That's what I've learned to say. My friend Cleo, very Welsh lady, said, "You can't be called Carried Lloyd and not be able to at least say I can't speak Welsh." Mm. So she taught me that. But then they get more excited because they say Shalak Kamrai. Well, yeah. I say, "Do we even Shalak Kamrai?" And they go. Uh, but you said it in Welsh. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of misleading when you yeah. say I can't speak that language in that language. It's yeah. a bit of a, you know. Yeah, they get too excited <laughs> and upset. So we've mentioned him already, but who yes. are we remembering today? Today we are remembering my mad dad and my lovely mum. 
your dad and your mum. And what was your mum and dad's name? Uh, Marjorie Vivian Coles and David John Coles. Although we found his birth certificate that said something else. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a life. So, um, who who was it who died first? So, it was my dad who'd been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Yeah. But mum had this cancer that had been lingering in the background. She never really spoke about it or told us. So, when I moved home to look after my dad, whose Alzheimer's was getting kind of pretty pretty full on my mum was already ill but she hadn't told anybody wow so my mum then finally told us when it looked like there was no hope for her yeah uh, so i'd moved home in the august mum died in the november uh at the end of november and dad died in the april <gasps> so it was it was really quick and i say that mercifully and i mean that from the bottom of my heart yeah yeah because i think t- and also the fact that he had already kind of completely lost his marbles pretty much some days he knew she was dead and then some days he didn't wow. and the days he didn't were happy days because yeah. you didn't have to tell him and the days he remembered or asked were days that you just had to break his heart again by telling him so i, I lied i lied oh, quite a lot you? of it yeah i can see that i mean if somebody's already in the throes of dementia yeah. why make why it... do that why yeah. give that why deliver that blow to somebody again and again yeah. so he'd say oh she went what time she home from work i'd be like five <laughs> just you know all right well we'll have a we'll make some tea for her yeah let's do that because you just think you just that's the thing with well, how I dealt with Alzheimer's yeah. was you've just got to, you're, you're powerless to a huge degree and you've just got to go with it and it throws all sorts of stuff at you. So how many years ago it. was this? Like ten, a, 10 years now, yeah. 10 years ago, wow. Have you had the 10th anniversary this year or I are you coming up to it? We're coming up to it, yeah. Right, okay. Oh, gosh. Are we on year 11? Well, I really should know that. Somebody that asked me my son's date of birth the other day um, and I gave them mine. He was like, oh, he looks young for 37. <laughs> I still, the same with the name panic, I still panic that I'm not going to remember her date of birth and look like a bad mum. So when I say it, I think, get this right. Because otherwise... <laughs> call social services. Yeah. And in that process of thinking that, that's a couple of seconds. So then they look at me and they're like, you still haven't said your daughter's birthday and I'm like yeah. is this really your kid <laughs> yeah like she's like um yeah it's, it's so dates are just yeah, yeah. who who cares but yeah it's that's so it's, you're coming up to a big yeah a big one mm. so what was life like before if you want to like you know we mark it in that way like so you were living away from Wales yeah you were, were you close to your parents I, yeah I was I mean we were all quite close growing up but my parents were of a certain generation where you didn't kind of I think I think parents now really lavish attention and affection on yeah, their kids, and not yeah. to say that my parents were Dickensian in any strength, <laughs> but they were a bit more. No, no, just shove you out and get you to yeah. do stuff, and you know, you're fine. Don't whinge about stuff. Carry on, mum. Yeah. I'm bleeding. That's fine. Oh, my my brother used to say, unless your leg was had fallen off and you were bleeding. <laughs> You went to school? Yeah, yeah, My mum was like, you're fine, get over it. So, But they were very supportive. Like, I grew up with my mum and dad instilled in me a belief that, like, I could do anything wow. as long as I was prepared to work really hard for it. Yeah. Um, feminism is a huge thing I'm interested in, but my dad in particular, I grew up not thinking there was any difference between me and a, a male counterpart. Like, wow. there was, there would be no reason why somebody wouldn't hire, hire me or them over me because, yeah. you know, I, I'm everybody's equal and my dad you know from very working class backgrounds instilled in us a belief that there was no way that you didn't belong like a first class lounge or a a member's bar or a dole queue or anywhere you know you have as much right or risk to be anywhere as anybody else so you just got to work hard and be honest and be good to people so they were very they were very strict in kind of getting us to do stuff and be really respectful but they kind of gave us a lot of rope to hang ourselves as well they weren't too 
kind of um, overbearing with things. They yeah. let they let us get on with stuff. And we travelled a lot, so we kind of had that experience yeah. of kind of meeting new people and just being confident and being outgoing. And so he had he had Alzheimer's for a while. By mm. the time you decided to move home, not too long. I mean, it was quite quick, like a couple of years. I think he'd been diagnosed, wow. or like a year and a half before. But it hadn't like the change did you say it was quite slow before that yeah I mean he was at the kind of forgetful stage so right. we had to take his driving license off him whilst he tried to park it in a gate uh, <laughs> which obviously wasn't going to fit um so yeah at that stage before I'd moved home because I'd been living in London um he was kind of mildly forgetful but then it had started to verge on things that were quite dangerous right. like trying to change plug sockets without switching electrics oh, off stuff God. like that because he, he'd been an engineer so he was a really really clever man and all these things that he thought, or that were just second nature for him, yeah. he would be trying to do, and then realising that there was something missing, like there was just a big black chasm where knowledge should be or action should be, and and that's where I think he'd got really... And I know this happens a lot with, with dementia, um, people who have dementia and Alzheimer's. You get really angry or quite violent about the mm. fact that... I mean, it must be terrifying when you think about it. Yeah. Imagine going to pick up a cup of tea and then not knowing what it is or how to do it it's just it's terrifying yeah unnerving mm. and then I think it does make you not trust anything does yeah. it not trust people around you and the world around you because nothing's yeah you know, like you're in the matrix you're having that like yeah. oh god what what is happening what's yeah. happening but then also I think for 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 men of our father's generation be kind of I'm supposed to be here to look after my family and if I can't do that what is the point of me yeah who am I and I think he got because obviously people who have dementia obviously suffer a lot with with, de- with depression as yeah. a result. I mean, the, the two kind of go hand in hand. But when you feel like you can't... Your main purpose on this planet is to look after your wife and kids and you can't do that. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, heartbreaking. So then I moved home to help mum with him. But obviously, now in hindsight, why mum was struggling to look after him was she because was she was ill. So she hadn't said anything to you and your brother? No, I mean, she'd had kind of <coughs> minor things, hospital stays before, which she kind of put under the guise of women's problems right. and I'm using the, the inverted fingers thing um, <laughs> so we just wouldn't ask anymore and yeah. again I think it's heart back to this generational thing but you know you wouldn't my mum would never have put that on Facebook oh, I have to tell you all I'm suffering with cancer yeah, yeah. never dream of it she just kind of got on with it and never said anything which is probably God. worse in a way <laughs> <laughs> so was it so you sort of moved back from mm-hmm. this and we should mention you have written a book which is why I know some details called My Mad Dad. And you were having, like you say in the book, like this quite metropolitan life mm. and it was very busy and you moved back to, God love it, we love Wales, <laughs> but it is a slower Much pace. So, yeah, especially where I was, really yeah. kind of like small town. and Yeah. I mean, they at that point I moved back, they had had a Weatherspoons, which is, <laughs> I mean, that was quite, uh, a, quite a thing. Yeah. And my dad loved it. We'll go down to the spoons. Oh. They've got good breakfast down there. They're so cheap. They have good value. Let's go to the spoons. We'd have to, we had to stop and go to the spoons after a while. Cheap booze. My yeah. dad with dementia. That's not really <laughs> Mr. Great. Spoons, you're not helping. <laughs> yeah. So you move back home and you start looking after it. Had you had experience of dementia before, Alzheimer's? Did you care for anyone? I mean, that no. must be like... I didn't even really care for myself, if I'm honest. Yeah. I spent most of the time on the source. And <laughs> to then have to go back at that age. I mean, some people are born with a kind of a very caring gene, a very mm. nurturing fibre running through them. I was I was not that person at all. <laughs> I was the person you called when you wanted to go on the lash. Right. I wasn't the person you called when your nan had fallen down the stairs. So um, Good time. Yeah. I want yeah, a good time. I'm calling fun time Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, so that was completely different. And I don't don't know whether it makes it easier or worse when they're your relatives. Yeah. When it's somebody really close to you because obviously you think it should be easier. 
because that's your flesh and yeah, blood. Yeah, but it's not. But it especially hurts. with some something like Alzheimer's, it's really, really difficult. And I found it easier talking to other people about it and trying to help them than helping my own dad because yeah. you get so frustrated. Yeah, because you can't. You, that's the thing with family, isn't it? Like you know, you can tell your family normally, "Don't do that." For God's sake, yeah. what's wrong with you? And other people, you can be like, oh, I understand, that's fine, you yeah. didn't mean to. <laughs> but your family, you're like, why, is it, why are you all so annoying? But if they got, yeah, if he's suffering from Alzheimer's, you... You, got, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, the worst thing I felt I found us all doing was just tagging the word remember on CNN. Oh. No, no, she's gone to work today, Dad, remember? No, no, we had chicken for lunch, remember? And I was just thinking, that really brought me to tears after a while, because I'm like, it doesn't, stop saying it, it's yeah. just so cruel. But it's what you would do normally. Yeah, yeah. To cajole someone into that, like, you've forgotten, yeah. like, don't be silly. And uh, yeah, I guess it's become pointless. Yeah. That is really painful yeah. to, to have to lose human behaviour that normally um, yeah, reassures right. you yeah. of like, oh, I say remember, and we go, oh, yeah, oh, oh silly mm. me, oh, go mad. And you're, <laughs> you're like, great, you're not, we've joked about yeah. it, you're not. So yeah, to then have to suddenly be like, oh, I can't even use that language mm. anymore. So then your mum gets much sicker very quickly, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So how was that? Yeah, it's really weird looking back on it now because people ask me, you know, it must have been cathartic writing the book. And I, I wrote the diary at the time. Oh, Obviously, wow. there were bits I had to go back and fill in yeah. when when we started editing the book for production. Uh, and there were bits that were really hard to revisit. But by and large, I'd written it as I went. Wow. But then, so the, you have that level of catharsis. But even looking back at it now, it's almost kind of like it's not my story anymore because it's out there and everyone's discussing it and everyone's got, you know, their own similar stories. So it does kind of feel like weird looking back now. You just think... How was it writing a diary at the time? Because I I had a friend once who said to me, why didn't you write down Hmm. what was happening? And I was like... couldn't have even picked up a pen to put... I mean, obviously I was 15. But for me, writing it down meant it was happening. So Hmm. I just froze and thought, "I, I can't... I remember I was in shock, I think, for such time. I think it's very brave to write a diary to kind of, but was it for you like the only way to survive, I guess? Yeah, and I think also that it was a bit of a boredom thing, although I was, I was never bored looking after my parents. But kind there of being spoons, back. There was a spoon, Rob. Well, exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't end up on the last morning, so <laughs> beggar's belief. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that you say that, actually. To write it down makes it real. Yeah. Maybe that's why I did it. I don't know. And that's the thing, like, you never get to a point where you've got the answers yeah. and the more life goes on the more your feelings or your thoughts on something that happened continue to evolve like how I feel about this now was not how I felt 10 years ago and it's probably not going to be how I feel in 10 years time yeah so things it's like a cannonball that just carries on going um yeah that's, hopefully softens you know yeah but, um, I think that's the interesting thing like and I definitely have that I feel so differently to I did at 15. I feel so differently to I did when I started this podcast. Mm. Like it che- 15's young man. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, God, you don't know what's going on anyway. Yeah, you don't. You have a bloody clue. And then this happens. But I mean, I mean, I didn't. I wasn't dealing with Alzheimer's. Dealing with sort of you know more traditional illness, I mm. guess. Of like, okay, the person is sick in this way. Um, they're not changing personality-wise. And it's just, I think. I think it's really impressive to be able to write it down. That's what I, because I couldn't. I'm always like, wow, that's so. Like, I don't know. That's one of the things my dad always said is just write write stuff down, not about this, but just generally yeah. when I was thinking about you know the choices you make at school, what yeah. you want to do, uh, you know, just write things down, get things down on paper. It was one of his favourite sayings. So yeah, and I I, th- I guess it helps me 
cement what I'm thinking and what yeah. I'm what I'm feeling. Yeah. And then it kind of stops going round in this mad carousel in my head. At least it has yeah. some more structure. And the book really feels like that. It feels very present. Or like a carousel. No, no, sorry, I mean <laughs> I thought it was interesting. <laughs> I was jumping back to you saying you wrote it at the time. Mm. It's like a carousel of your madness. No. Um it feels very present. Like, it's interesting that you said you wrote it at the time because now I'm like, oh, that makes sense having okay. read it. Like, it it feels so present and real yeah. and somebody finding their way through what's happening yeah. in front of them. So your mum died in the November. November, yeah. So, November. I mean, did she go into hospital? Yeah, like? she did. towards the end, she was in and out of hospital quite a bit. So, um, you know, towards... The last few days, you know, she did things like where her arm went numb and they said, oh, should we take her into hospital? I'm like, no, don't. she's not leaving this house. Don't muck around with her anymore. Don't yeah. take her anywhere. Just don't put her through with that. We just keep her here and, you know, keep talking to her and and whatnot. And she she died in, in the house. Wow. Um, with your dad uh, around? Yeah. He, so we'd kind of switched around because my aunt, her sister, had come to stay at the, that time which was such a godsend. So mum mum was in her and dad's room. Dad was in what would have been G's room. And my auntie was what would have been my room. And G and I were camped out in the living room. Wow. Um, because dad kind of some point knew and some points didn't. And then when there were nurses there, he kept making jokes around nurses, which was really awful. And I wanted to hit him. Um, what sort of thing? Just like... Just like, hey, I got, like a bit Benny Hill, you know? <laughs> it just, oh, was that the Alzheimer's? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's incredible, isn't it, that it does that to your brain? Oh, just, just so much weird stuff. Like, And again, you're just completely powerless. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did loads of bonkers stuff, like trying to order Chinese at half eight in the morning and, you know, putting phones in the freezer. Um, stuff yeah, that you could have stuff. no preparation for. Absolutely not. Like, no and one could think, say, this is If you watch it on telly, you can kind of almost enjoy it in a sick way. Yeah, you think, oh, yeah. it's really funny. When it's happening to you, it's like someone's slapped you around the face with a giant fish. You're like, oh, God, whatever. <laughs> And, yeah, you just have to totally roll with it. And it becomes almost banal. Yeah, yeah, because it's just happening every day. So when you and your brother are, like, camped in the living room, that must have been... How was that, like, being back at your childhood home, camp bedding? Yeah, weird, because... Obviously, when you go home and visit your parents, it's usually like you can sit down. You return. Somebody said on the radio the other day, you return to being 12 years old. Yeah. And they'll make you cups of tea and you can be a bit of a brat about things and they'll do your washing and stuff. <laughs> but as soon as I walked in through that door, everything was different. And immediately I had to put the wash loads on. I had to do the dinners and I had yeah. to make sure everyone had their medication. You know, it was almost like baby proof in the house a bit. So yeah. that we had to kind of like hide things from dad and kind of put things in different drawers where we wouldn't find them. We inevitably did. You become really lucid and figure out where we'd hidden knives and stuff or try and unscrew something and plug something back in so yeah everything was was completely different and you go from kind of not caring and being kind of pretty irresponsible Mm. to you don't have an option yeah you're you're not even given development time or or outlets or anything that is what's happening now and you're doing it so you're looking around for another adult (laughs) there isn't one it's you you're like somebody better deal with this (laughs) i hope someone's gonna sort this out facility yeah yeah you're like oh it's me i'm hr and facilities and i'm the canteen fuck when did this happen (laughs) so were you with your mum when she died Mm. i was downstairs i'd gotten to a point where i was a bit the the child so my brother Gareth is five and a half years older than me four and a half sorry bro um <laughs> and he was there as well as was my auntie Juicy her name was Judith but we, oh, I always used to call her Juicy so the the last couple of days when mum was essentially on a morphine trigger and yeah. in her bed very peaceful but I didn't want to see her from that point so oh. I just thought she's not 
I suppose that was my one childish moment. And even when the nurse came in for, to manage her through the night and she came downstairs and said, she's breathing in last, do you want to come up? Absolutely not. No way, I ain't going in there. I ain't uh, seen that. And after she passed, then my, my um, brother got dad up and him and Juicy took dad in to see mum and everything. And I'm, like, I'm sitting downstairs having a fag out in the, out in the concrete. Uh, I didn't want... And it was the same with my dad. Like, I was quite scared to look him in yeah. the face at the end. And I, you know, the last couple of days, I was so scared to go in and see him. But I would kind of crawl backwards into his room at the home and sit with my back against the bed and kind of just touch his hand on my shoulder because I didn't want... I, oh, Wow. Oh, that came out of nowhere. I didn't, I didn't want to look him in the face because I didn't want to see him not look like my dad anymore. Yeah, it's frightening. Mm. I didn't want that to be my last memory. I didn't yeah. want that to be my last thing. So I didn't, and I'm really glad. But my, my brother did see both of them like that, which I just, you know, I think he got to a point there where he's like, I'm big brother, I'm managing. Yeah. You know, so. But I think it's really interesting because it's a really personal thing about seeing them. And I honestly mm. don't think there's a right or wrong. Oh, it's definitely. so personal and... We were with my dad when he died, but I only found out very recently <laughs> that I was the only one that went back in. Really? <clears throat> yeah, my mum... So we were with him in the room. We were with him in the room, and then he died, and then the nurses were like, okay, now we you know, can yeah. sort it out. We went outside, and I, in my head, we all went back in. We were all given a moment, and my mum said... Her and my brother said, we don't want to go in. Because my mum was... went in? And I went in. I had this big thing of like, no, I want to go and say goodbye. And my mum, which... Again, little sister, my brother's yeah. four years older than me, unusual. I normally always do what he does. Yeah. Take his lead. And they both said, like, no, we don't wanna we don't wanna see him. We saw him die. Yeah. It's not him anymore. Yeah. And my mum said that she she said she sometimes wonders, you know, should I've should I have gone back in? But she said, you know, I was with him and it just felt like that wasn't that my was, husband yeah. anymore. That yeah. was a different thing. But I don't know why I don't know why I was like yeah, I'll go in. <laughs> like, wow. I know, really bizarre. But then I'm glad, I, I for me, I'm really glad I did yeah. because it definitely made me go, he's dead. Yeah. And I think somewhere in my brain I needed that. Like, I've said this before, I then opened the window. They had these yeah, big, right. like, sliding glass doors and I opened the big glass doors, like, into a little courtyard so that, because I thought, well, then know. he can go out. <laughs> And apparently I came back and said, oh, I've let open windows so you can get out. My mum like was like, cat. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my mum was like, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> like, That's right. hugely deep for a 15-year-old. But it was very not conscious. Like, you know, yeah, when d- you d- just... Quite natural. Yeah, yeah. like, it felt like for me the right... Like, same yeah. as you said, like, you knew... Yeah, I knew I, I didn't want to do I it. I can't do this. And for me, I was like, oh, I have to do this. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't... You're right, everyone has their own little path, their own, their yeah, own journey. Yeah. And I think as long as you know you're doing something you're at peace with, no one else can tell you squat No, no, it. and I think I've had, you know, I've had people sit here and say, I did see it and I regret it, or I didn't mm. and I regret it, or I'm glad, you know, it's really... I mean, also the problem is you might regret whatever you do <laughs> like yeah. you might do it and they go oh, I wish I hadn't but I can totally understand not wanting to see them because they do really change yeah. and they don't look like the person yeah. they've been especially for you I think that's interesting that you had done so much caring and been there looking after them but yeah. then at the end you were like I don't want to have to, I don't now. yeah I've done it I've done everything I've been hmm. a good daughter a good child I don't need to go in and see them yeah and also I think they were they probably wouldn't have wanted me to. Yeah. I think my dad especially. Yeah. You know, he was a very kind of man's man. And for Gareth to have been there at the end with him, I think, was really poignant and really fitting. Yeah. Um, and he would probably would have respected that time with G 
and not had me in there. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think that, like I said, it works for me and I think... Um, oh, yeah, like except no one can really t- different. No one can tell you yeah. anything. So then your mum dies in the house, yeah. which is, yeah, amazing. So many few people get to do that. And then you're, you know, they, they take her body away and said, you're left with your dad. Like, that must have been... Yeah, that was... So we had to put him back to bed. And, um, yeah, I remember the funeral directors coming. They're really nice. They used to work... Well, they placed us by, by my school and we always used to walk past it and kind of joke about it. And then you think, my mum is in there now. My mum is one of those people and they're little brats like me walking past my school <laughs> going, how many dead people you got today, mate? And you're like, oh, you pricks. <laughs> that was me. Um... So yeah, when we took sent Dad back to bed, and the next morning he woke up, and I think I think he knew the next morning, but then by the afternoon he didn't. And, wow. and my mum had arranged this. She's a really really lovely group of friends, um, and they always just do loads of things together, like keep fit and orienteering, and um, like they had allotments together and stuff. And they'd arranged this lunch the next day, their Chris, girls' Christmas lunch in like oh. a local hotel. So I'd said. One of them called me and said, we're going to cancel. I'm like, don't, you'll lose your deposit. I'm like, that's my mum speaking. Um, I said, oh, I'd, I'd like to come as a mum. So I still can't believe I did that. That was kind of crazy. But I was thinking, <laughs> i got to eat. And they paid for this. Um, but also, yeah, just to be surrounded by people who loved her. Yeah, yeah, it was actually really nice. Yeah. Though I think it was probably harder for them because it was still, you know, when it happens to you, you're not, it's like the volume's been turned down on yeah, stuff. You're not yeah. really there. And they were all kind of like quite weepy, and um, but I just kind of wanted to to be there, and I wanted to to yeah to be surrounded by people who loved her, and that was going to have happened that day anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, I yeah. totally understand that because then you're not. It's a bit more still. You, she's still there. Yeah, know? yeah, and with people who get it, yeah. who aren't like oh who people are like oh this got the stories in yeah. the way and and. And also, you can be broken and crying, and they yeah. they get it. That's so important. It just must have been so weird for anyone else who was because it was a really busy hotel in Cumbran, and obviously lots of people having their lunches, yeah, loads yeah. of kind of work parties and stuff, and a bunch of snivelling old women in the corner <laughs> with one really young girl who just looks like she's been shot or something. <laughs> <laughs> they must have been like, "Should we have some more sherry?" <laughs> Send around over to table five. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look good over there, guys. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. So then you go back to looking after your dad. Yeah. Did your brother stay or did he have to go? Back? Yeah, he Is stayed he... by that point. So right. it, was, it was both of us by that wow. point. Wow. And did it? Did he? Very, did you notice a deteriorating after your mum died? Massively, instantly. Mm. Wow, that's. And interesting. they always say that about people with dementia. You know, if it's something like you move home or something really disrupts their life lifestyle, yeah. their schedule, and something so seismic like that, um, you know, he was never going to recover. Um, and there were things that at his fun at her funeral, he was kind of completely lucid in parts. Wow. And you know, at the church and everything, he knew what was happening, and he, you know, but. It, at that point, he was holding my hand and asking me if I was okay. Wow. But then by the time we got to the wake at a hotel in Usk, he thought it was a party for his retirement. Oh, my God. Which was, which was awful. And I said in the book, there's a bit where he's like trying to get people up dancing. And I'm outside having a fag at this point. My brother comes out and he's like, you're not going to believe what's happening. I'm like, oh, you fucking <laughs> And then obviously people are uncomfortable. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't You don't have the right to be uncomfortable. No, about This dance. is not your discomfort. Yeah. If that man says dance... You jig. Yeah. You get up and do it. This is not your place to feel uncomfortable. That's frankly. what I'd be like. If he says it, <laughs> if he thinks it's a retirement party, it's a retirement yeah, party. We're doing this. Write the cards. Start talking about what he's going to do with the allotment. Blow, like, yeah, blow yeah. the balloons up. Yeah, because why not? Yeah. Like, he doesn't have the... He's not well. So yeah. He doesn't have that capacity. So what good would it be, like you said, to break yeah. into his brain and be like, no, your yeah, wife died. Don't, like, don't look uncomfortable and just kind of stare at the floor and shuffle yeah. away. Like, you know this man. This man is your friend. Yeah. This man has been your friend for 40 years. So, yeah. So that was, and then after that, he just kind of, yeah, he was he was very violent towards me quite quickly. Wow, so really? He, he thought I, we did a bit of a row one day and then he thought I was a burglar. So he kind of came at me with a knife. Oh, my God. And I had to hide. And then somebody from next door obviously heard a fracker. Sorry, um, well, I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. You had to hide. What, so where are you hiding? What's happening? On the sofa in the living room. And he's walking around the house with a knife? Yeah. What was he saying? I'm going to find you, you little fucking thief. <laughs> God. I'm gonna smoke you out, you little fucker, or something. Oh, um, fuck. And then, yeah, then the doorbell rang. I was like, "Oh my god, Rachel, please, please, please!" And so it's next door. She's like, uh, "All right." He's <laughs> like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Fine. And we just did a bit of a commotion. Oh, there was someone in the house. That's all it is. And you've got to look after your family, haven't you? So you've got to. I've just got to execute the little fucker when I find them. And so obviously, Rachel knows what's going on. She knows I'm in there. Oh so she's God. trying to kind of keep him talking. And <gasps> by this point, I'm having to try and plan my escape route. So it's like a typical old little Welsh terrace house. Yeah, so yeah. That, the front door goes looks straight up the stairs, and then round to the right, there's a living room, a little bit of dining room, out to the kitchen, then the bathroom yeah, on the yeah. bottom floor, right behind that. Um, so I'm looking at the back door and thinking, if he doesn't look back, I can make it through there without him seeing me if I run around the other side of the dining table. So I've watched a lot of like spooks and stuff yeah. like that. I'm thinking I can do this. <laughs> so I'm kind of crawling like at speed. Oh my God. Around the other side, through the lean to, trying to open the door and the door's locked. I'm like, I don't know where the keys are. So I'm scrabbling around trying to find the keys. I'm like, are they up on where mum used to keep the plant seeds and everything's falling down? I'm like, keep him talking, keep him talking, keep him talking. Trying to unlock the door quickly, scrambled out into the garden. And as with all Welsh terrace houses, mm. all the gardens back onto each other. Yeah, so yeah. I'm essentially having to Grand National down the, <laughs> down the blooming terrace of gardens into, and I don't know if I get like three gardens over right by the road. 
and I'm lying on somebody else's lawn, soaking wet, panting, and I realise I've got no shoes on. Oh my God, I, I've got nothing with me, so I'm having to soppy socks, like thud all the way down the hill, down into town, oh and then up the God. other side to, to my friend's house. That is just... That must have been such a surreal experience, like genuinely surreal. Even looking back at it now, I feel like I'm watching a film or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's bizarre. And then by the time we called my brother and we called the services and they said, just do whatever you do, don't go back in the house because he could be absolutely fine. He could have forgotten about everything or he could still you know, be looking, still for, be looking for me stroke burglars stroke whatever. Oh and God. if something happens... It would be awful if something would happen to you, but we would have to arrest your father. There would be absolutely no, you know, there's no way around it. Your father would be arrested and charged if something happens to you. Oh, my God. So I had to stay at a friend's house. Gareth went back to the house and he said, is everything all right? He was like, yeah, a bit of problem, but it's all been dealt with. Has it? Which was, which was <laughs> oh, terrifying. what did you do? Yeah. yeah. What did you my think? My brother was like, should I just check on the stairs for corpses? Um, oh, my So, yeah, God. so from that point... Yeah, I, did, I couldn't f- go back and stay with my feel? dad. How did you feel? Like, you must have felt so... I think just really numb, you know. And yeah, just it's too shocking, In a way it? that you failed, because I think, like, I can't go back and, like, do my job, look after my dad anymore. Yeah, because it's not safe. It's, it's not safe to. But from that point, then, my brother was looking after him, and we had kind of help coming in. And then it was coming up to Christmas, because mum died on the 28th of November. And we tried to arrange some, or the services, the local services, tried to arrange some respite care for us over Christmas and New Year. So I think Gareth stayed with them over Christmas, and I stayed in my friend's flat in Camden over Christmas, which was probably not the best idea. But I, like, <laughs> I didn't... It's Christmas, everyone else is yeah. loyal, not not running thin, but they want to spend time with their family. They don't yeah. want Mopey Joe kind of escapee of a stabbing, <laughs> crashing on their sofa. Um, and I didn't want to ask. I, I don't ask for help. I didn't want to kind of go yeah. to people. So I, I stayed coming back in Camden. And um, then he went into... I'd kind of gone to see him once at a day centre, I think. And then we went to take him into respite care. And my brother and I both took him. And that was really awful because he thought he was in a hotel. Oh, but then God. the moment where we left, he just looked at us and his eyes were kind of really wobbling because he could tell he didn't really know what was going on yeah. but what he did know wasn't right and he just looked at us and he said where are you kids going where are you kids gonna stay oh. we said something like what hotel are you kids at and oh that was all it still makes me feel really really sick to think about that moment that was that was a bit in the book where i had to go back and write because i yeah. didn't write it at the time and that was pretty horrible to kind of revisit that. And from that point, he never really came out of care, apart from his one Shawshank attempt, <laughs> where he... Why did I not keep a closer rein on people? He was in the gardens last time we checked. Well, when did you check last? Lunchtime? Because yeah. it's nighttime now and he's wandering around Ponty. Uh, not he in got out? Home. Yeah, yeah. Did he just walk out? I don't know what happened. We're still not really clear on that. Oh, my but, God. Um, so he got... Uh, so they'd obviously told the local police that he, yeah. was, he was on the, on the escapee. I know. I just I hope they, and maybe they did. Tell me. He had tried to stab his daughter, so you've got to be careful. <laughs> oh my god! Oh so my god. Um, I think he was approached by two young policemen who tried to get him to go with them, and in the end, he had to be arrested and forced. Which it, this makes me feel awful as well because they had to put him in a cell and everything. And Aww. I just think he was. A, frightened, B, aggressive, B, really fucked off. I mean, like, because yeah. he didn't really know what was going on. So I think he was... And th- then they, when the services arrived, they had to kind of sedate him and everything. It was really horrible. And from that point, he never... 
he he was sedated and then he had bouts of pneumonia and everything. So wow, he was at, he was at a care home. He was moved to a home then, not the one he escaped from, because they didn't <laughs> want him back. And I'm like, well, it's not it's not like he's been expelled from school, which turns out kind of is exactly what it was like. Um, but the but new home so was much awful, nearer our house, so yeah. I was still living in the house then, even though there was nobody there, just all my parents' stuff, wow. knowing that Dad was never going to come back that I would walk down to see him and there were times where he was quite aggressive again, even though by this point he wasn't really speaking anymore. He wow. was kind of mute. So there were times where I couldn't even bring myself to go in. There were times I just went and sat in the car park and cried for an hour and then went home. There were Ugh. times where I'd just sit in reception and cry for an hour and then go home. And then there were times where I would see him. Um, yeah, that's just kind of really weird to look back on. But just never knowing what he's going to be yeah, like. Yeah. The inconsistency. You had no idea what dad you were going to get. Oh, that must be so hard. Like, I think, I don't know, like, there's no good illnesses, guys. But Alzheimer's, having spoken, Adam Riches spoke about it Mm. as well. Both his mum and dad had it. God, that's awful. Yeah. And, like, it's just, it's so, because personality is this sort of fixed thing. Yeah, yeah, And you can look at someone and be like, oh, they're, they're, you know, their liver isn't working, their lungs aren't working, their heart isn't working. And there's something very, like, easy to understand. Yeah. But when you're like, oh, it's that thing we have with the brain that we don't... It's hard to get your head around. Yeah. <laughs> Literally hard to get your brain around. Of like, oh, the brain makes who they are, makes the way they laugh, the things they notice, and that's being attacked. So the personality going must just be such a strange... The cruelest bit is it just looks the, like the same person. Yeah, You're looking at the yeah. same person, though it's not that person. It's it's really... Yeah, it's yeah, like it's, a horrible, horrible trick. Yeah. But we, I do kind of always try and look on the bright side of things, um, and I'm both in sort of way. Uh, but like, it was his decline was really quick yeah yeah so we didn't have to suffer that and also and i do i've thought about this a lot over the years i've had friends who've lost people in like a crash or a heart attack and that's that is so cruel like one moment you get up you wake up everything's fine you go to work you come back and that that's your whole world is shattered and you never got a chance to say anything or to say goodbye or to even prepare that's really brutal and that's so awful and with our parents, we got the time to kind of sit and acknowledge what was happening to them and say goodbye and kind of nurse them out of the world the yeah. way they nursed us in. And and I think the alternative is, is really awful. Or where you have someone taken from you, like someone killed, someone yeah. murdered. Like that's just completely unpalatable. I just, I yeah, know, it's fair. You that. know, I say, we say this a lot on the show of like, if it happens quickly, you don't get to see the pain. Mm but you don't get goodbyes. Yeah. Whereas if you do illness, you watch someone suffer, yeah. but you get goodbyes or you get conversations or yeah. you manage to have those moments. So it's like, come see, come see. Which one would you choose? Which one do you want? <laughs> yeah, like they're not, neither is great, but like would you, you said, really? Would you rather be fat and have great skin? Yeah, or yeah, would you exactly. <laughs> loads of money, skin. but no friends. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You can eat all the chocolate you like, but it tastes of egg. Like, yeah, you know, so yeah, there's all this... That's life, though, isn't it? Like, it's never one thing. It's never like, this is just absolutely brilliant. This is absolutely awful. There's always, like you said, a bright side and other sides of it. And I think if you can find any light and hope in it, great. That's all you need. So he was in the home, but you said you weren't with him when he died. Your brother was. Yes. Uh, Well, we, yeah, we were, we were both, we'd both been with him that day. Yeah. And I'd been kind of like sat by the side of his bed reading him the bits from either. Either the Times or Private Eye or something like he loves stuff like that, which I do now. We both into kind of politics and satire, and I think we'd gone and got him some daffodils from the garden because it was it was April, and um, 
he'd been bedridden, so like he'd had a couple of bouts of pneumonia. He was having problems swallowing, which happens a lot to people with with uh, Alzheimer's. And they were talking about, you know, if you can't take on any food. I mean, he looked like a skeleton by this point. Yeah. He was really frail. Um, they would have to feed him subcutaneously, yeah. and I'm like, no, 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 you're not, not flipping around with my old man like that. Don't, don't cut him to pieces. Yeah. Give him some dignity. He wouldn't want that. I, I know that for certain. And then my brother and I left to go home. And then we got home and the home called and said, I think you might want to come back. Mm. And I think by that point, I think what I think had happened is they'd probably gone and go, oops, he's gone. Uh, better call the kids. He's <laughs> kind of on his way. Uh, just come back. Just come back. So by the time we got back, though, they were like, oh, you know, he's gone. Oh, your father's gone. And right. yeah. Yeah, I've never thought of that. Perhaps it's already. Happened. <laughs> yeah. I've never thought of that. I've, only, I've only started thinking about that recently. <clears throat> yeah. and, and I'm not really sure why. I'm kind of, oh, better just call him. Do we say. Uh, no, just be vague. Just, just be, be vague. vague be back. vague, and then because you never know, you never know. Maybe yeah, maybe I got it wrong. Did, yeah. How many how many ways are there to check the pulse? Um, <laughs> maybe it's fine. <laughs> yeah. God, did yeah. you get the right guy? Yes, I yes. got the right guy. <laughs> and then that must have been you know like you've moved back home in August, so this is April, so like you know nearly a year mm. of your life being turned upside down. Yeah, and like you said, you've gone from living in London and having a nice time, being on the source, as you said, <laughs> which I liked. Um, to being, you know, no, you know, both parents are dead and you're back home. Like, did you feel, I guess, because my dad's death was quite quick. I, I felt like in shock for a long time. Mm. I felt like I just stood still and went, sorry, what? Like, so yeah. I felt, what just happened? Did you have, or were you, because you were older, did you feel like, okay, now I can breathe again? Like, how did it yeah, feel? Yeah, I, I guess also, because I think, and I hear this a lot, particularly about Alzheimer's, but my, my mum had cancer and I think it applies as well. When you when somebody's been given a kind of death sentence, essentially, yeah. you're mourning from that point. You're, you're grieving already. Yeah, yeah. And especially with Alzheimer's because it's taken the mind of the person that you love. All that's left is their shell. Yeah. So you're grieving for that person already. So the moment that the death actually happens, I felt quite a huge relief especially with my dad yeah. I was more worried with my mum because obviously there were repercussions and having to to you know let dad know or deal with dad but with, when dad happened that was a kind of a relief in so many ways um, because that's, you kind of move on to a next stage of grief I suppose yeah, yeah. Uh, and that point I knew it was just me that I had to deal with and I thought well that's fine because I can deal with myself turns out I can't <laughs> not, not very well anyway Um but and I also felt relieved for him because yeah. he was not suffering anymore. Especially after, like you said, it seems so extreme and it was so mm. dramatic. It must have been, of course, a relief to be like at least we yeah. don't have to, he doesn't have to worry about that stuff yeah. anymore. Yeah. The, so there was relief, and I felt. So it was really weird because I felt I thought it would be the other way around. Like at my mum's funeral, I spoke. I spoke at both their funerals, but I I spoke at mum's. I I'd made this big book for her sixtieth birthday. Uh, with loads of photos in so I used that as a prop at the church and kind of spoke for a while and I felt kind of more peace at my mum's funeral which is in hindsight is weird because it wasn't very peaceful and I couldn't keep my shit together at my dad's at all which was weird because I actually felt that felt more peaceful like the end yeah. of something but do you think there was hangover from your mum's funeral probably yeah because it was so near yeah like perhaps if you had managed to keep together your mum's mm. then by the time you get to the next one you're like oh there's a lot of stuff that would like to come out now please yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that is waiting open the floodgates yeah yeah and then it's always that thing with grief I find like the valve that it finds it often doesn't yeah. do it at the right time oh, or the right know, person's it's a, it's a funeral so weird moments and things yeah. like you're not expecting and you're not you uh, 
you expect to kind of cry a lot at a funeral you expect to cry a lot at the death and when that doesn't happen like my friend my lovely friend Medi she'd lost her dad just before my mum died I think a year, a year before or something and um, and I put this in the book as well she kind of came to pick me up one day I said oh what are we doing she went I've got to go to Sainsbury's um, so we just spent like about an hour walking around Sainsbury's <laughs> like it, it, she's a bit kooky anyway and, and I love her but she'd said after her dad passed away that for ages she actually felt quite elated yeah. because there's so many cards and flowers and yeah, people are, yeah. you know, sending love and everyone's around you. And she said, like, the harder bit comes a few months after that when you feel yeah. like everyone's forgotten and you're like, I haven't forgotten, I am still in this. Yeah. And no one's forgotten, really, but you just kind of... That's when the isolation... Yes, definitely, because the cards and the flowers and the way people talk to you, they seem to reflect back your pain, Mm. don't they? They're like, oh, it's so awful. And you're like, yeah, it is, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when they act normal, you're like, why is no one... Yeah, this is not gone. This is over. I still feel shit, but you seem fine. Yeah. And it's like, well, of course they do. They can't contain the pain. It wasn't their father Mm. that died. But yeah, that initial bit can be... There was someone else... Was it someone else on... I can't remember what episode, but someone was saying... They got so many cards and flowers that someone, the postman was like, oh, having a party. Oh, no. <laughs> but it was like, he said the atmosphere in the house was like that because yeah. everyone's there and there's all that stuff. And especially after someone has been ill, there yeah. is that sense of And there's of that relief. hole in your life also because yeah. you spent so long caring God, for somebody. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your life is full of administering medication or trying to stop people, you know, building something that you really don't need built. Um, then your day is so echoey yeah because you just think wow and that's when i think you know people end up turning the booze or whatever because you just think what am i gonna i've got to fill this with something yeah especially like you said if you have cared Mm. for someone i mean obviously it's always awful but i think if you've been involved heavily in the nursing side of it where every conversation is like okay well she had that 11 so we need to take that four and can't take the blue one but make sure she doesn't you know it's like having a baby you know you get yeah. obsessed with the minutiae of what they have to do and when that's taken from you yeah it must just feel like it's huge huge now gaps what? yeah how long did you stay in wales for uh, not long i, I went back to london <laughs> i was older ponty <laughs> yeah. Like. yeah taxi from the funeral um yeah stuck around for a bit but obviously i didn't want to it was it was morbid and yeah. i knew i knew i had to get back to some sense of my life yeah. so yeah I went back to came back to London within a couple of months and then when did you start we said you wrote the book anyway but when did you start kind of thinking okay these diaries could be a book did that take a while um well I did kind of think it at the time and I sent right. it to my friend Ellie and she was like you've got to do this and then I didn't and then I was doing a lot of kind of consulting and contracting work within fashion and every time one ended I thought you know what? I'm not going to put myself through that again I'm gonna I'm gonna do this book and then I didn't so it was um about a year ago, just over a year ago, like May last year, wow. where one company I was working for went into administration, not my fault. <laughs> um, and I thought, right, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it now. So I kind of got I got in touch with an independent editor and we worked on an edit of the book. And then I sent it to who was the, Catherine, who's now my agent. And she called back straight away. And she was like, don't send this to anybody else. Let me do it. We'll we'll get this out there. Wow. Um, and that was then the book went ended up in an auction. Um, six six people bidding for it, and the deal was signed within three weeks. Wow! So yeah, it all happened really quick. But do you think? And I wonder this about like the time it's taken for me to do the podcast. Do you think? I wonder if you just weren't ready. Yeah, I I yeah. think that I think that I'm a big believer in in fate. Sometimes depends what point I'm trying <laughs> to make. Uh, but for for something like this, I think it 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 happens. There's a course 
for things you know yeah. I, I think um and you have to be ready right to you, like I definitely had this podcast you have to be ready for people to ask you certain things yes yeah and I definitely think the first five years at least if someone's like so how do you feel you're like what like I'm dying what else yeah. do you want to know like everything is the worst thing in the world I yeah and it's sort of opening that box of horror you're like Ugh. so yeah. that it took me yeah you know 20 years to be able to like go oh yeah okay now I feel like I could answer a question without being like this is too painful but there's also a lot of things like for me that was surrounding this that, that there's a lot of shame there was a lot of guilt because I kind of still felt maybe I should have done better maybe I should have done more maybe I should have done different you know and if I'd done that had we kind of pressed mummy you know would she have kind of still been like could we have taken a different route for dad's care and you know and you get to a point where you think oh there was it takes a long time yeah to get to that point where you think no no (laughs) and it's so interesting because hearing you talk about it I'm like it sounds like you did so much like you moved back home and you Mm. moved in with it but I I understand that feeling of of course of always thinking well what what else like and you especially I think with cancer because you sort of go back and go well did we could mm. we have did, did we, we ask the right questions yeah. Did we, yeah and it's like yeah I think you're right yeah you did you did mm. everything you could like that's that's just the process like yeah. it's easy to beat yourself up because it also you feel shit anyway so if you can add reasons to it you're like mm. yeah yeah this is good like I already feel crap so yeah it's my fault that it happened that yeah. makes me good now I feel really shit like <laughs> yeah. that's good that feels like that's how I feel so it's hard to sometimes yeah. let yourself off the hook isn't it but then also I mean I felt and I still feel kind of in a bit of a quandary you're talking about people who aren't here anymore yeah and they aren't here to say stuff about themselves um so I kind of I I battled back and forth with that quite a lot and I see things sometimes I'm really kind of question it where people are like taking selfies and videos here I am in nursing home with my nan and I'm like go back 10 years and ask your nan you know, in 10 years time if you really lose your marbles do you mind me filming you and putting on YouTube yeah, yeah. Like, well probably probably not there's no, probably no good answer to that I'm alright and in the same way I kind of but loads of people said this book is more about your journey and you know worried about people laughing at certain situations I'm like but that is how I've put it out there because yeah. that is how I dealt with it yeah and that's how my dad would have dealt with it and my mum would have dealt with it I mean they would rip the piss out of anybody mm. and I for, for us and for, certainly for me personally that is what gets me through and that's that's what got us through me and my brother through it was kind of laughing at all the ridiculous things that happened yeah. like my dad whopping out that massive hernia on Christmas morning and, <laughs> Asking my brother what he thought of it. Just, oh my god! What do you mean? What do I think of it? Like happy Christmas? Put a bow on it. But that's it. I think I have the same problem. It's there's a part of you that really wants to share and talk and be yeah. and express what happened to you, and then you're like, ugh. But it's I'm, I think some of the characters aren't here to say excuse yeah. me. But I think, and I've spoken to lots of people who've done creative work for grief it, you can only tell your side of it yes yeah yeah, yeah. that's it really and you, as long as it is your side and you know it, it is your side then you're allowed that that's yeah. your story yeah, well this is it yeah and I kind of worried about about my brother because my brother's not read this and wow. he never will yeah, I really yeah. think he ever will and I was speaking to my friend Emma and I just after it happened and I was having a massive meltdown and then my brother took a couple of years to have his meltdown. And then, <laughs> it's good you take it in turns, well, I exactly, find. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she, I said, you know, why am I not dealing with this? And he's dealing with it. And Emma said, you can put two exactly the same people through exactly the same thing yeah. and they will deal with it differently because they are different people. Yeah. Um, so if my brother were to tell his story, 
there are bits now I talked to my brother about, so I remember that. He went, no, that's not what happened. Oh. And what, what it was was, and I'm like, no, 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 she wasn't even there. Yeah. And you you remember different things or you remember things in different ways. Um, so how has it been since the book came out? Like, have you... Because I imagine like this, you get a lot of people suddenly being like, oh my God, <gasps> me too. Absolutely bonkers. And yeah, people think it must have been really cathartic to write, and it was really cathartic to edit and release, which it was. But the real kind of seal on the deal has been something I never expected, which was that outpouring of other people's stories yeah. I get contacted like, so many times every day on every form of social media yeah. um, just of people saying oh my god that really resonated with me like my nan did the same thing my auntie my uncle my yeah. my mum or that that really struck a chord with me because of this and it's just crazy because what is so wonderful and I kind of kept this cooped up for so long is that I was totally not alone with any single thing I felt in there, the grief, the horror, the anger, the frustration, the sadness, is that so many other people out there have felt exactly the same yeah. thing. And very often they were sat on it alone yeah. for all this time. That has really sealed it for me is the fact that no matter what I was feeling, I wasn't alone. Yeah, which is exactly what's happened to me. Yeah. The emails, the messages, the Instagram messages, Twitter messages of people being like, you know, some some exactly the same stories. Like, oh, me too. Yeah. 15, pancreatic cancer, same thing. And you're like, same year. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? And then other people being like, oh, completely different circumstance. But when but you said that, yeah. I felt like this. And I've never, and they often say, oh, I haven't told anyone or I didn't yeah. feel this. And then you start realising, oh my God, you we do all feel the same things. Yeah. Even though, like we've said, just said, you feel it very differently. Mm. But there's an underlying... There's always Pain. strings you yeah. can take from everybody else's stories. You know, I had a bit of that and I felt yeah, a bit of that. Yeah, and it's like you said, you when it's happening to you, you feel so alone and so yeah. isolated. And that's what I've had with, with this show of being like, oh, we, we're we all going through this. <laughs> yeah. It's a massive club. We're yeah. all, whether you're in the Alzheimer's room or the cancer room yeah. or both, like there's someone else with you. Yeah. But you always feel at the time, oh, it's just me and no one understands mm. and this is so lonely and... And it's because we don't talk about it. Yeah, I wonder whether it's... And I'm quite fascinated by cultures and, and different strains of, like, where, where you come from. And I wonder whether it's a, a really British thing that we just yeah. kind of... We're too stiff up a lip. We don't, we don't really talk about it. When you say the way, see the way kind of other Europeans grieve or, you know, yeah, other I cultures and other, I think it's, other areas. I, I don't know whether we're just a bit kind of... We're particularly bad at talking about the emotional side of yeah. it. And from, what, from the emails I get, some cultures can be very emotional but there's sometimes a time limit of like right we've done our 10 yeah. days and that's it or I still think people I didn't th I think wherever you're from people find it hard to talk about things that hurt mm. so if it hurts they're like well my brain is saying don't talk about this then because it's painful rather than like oh it will help it will help yeah. you get through the pain I think that's such a primeval thing of like no pain equals bad like don't put your hand in the fire it hurts yeah, don't say those it. feelings it hurts however on the flip side of that we're quite happy to you know ruminate on it and beat ourselves up yeah, which is more yeah. painful yes yeah so we just kind of really sadistic <laughs> on it I, I don't know I know but I think yeah, I'll I, sit at home and tell myself how shit I was for not doing yeah, better. Yeah. But when you know when people ask me about it, I'll make a song and dance and a joke. And isn't it funny? And isn't Rob doing well? I'm just but that's the same. Like you say, when mm. someone tells you their story, you think, "Oh, of course you did everything." Yeah, like, this sounds like you were amazing. But you won't think that about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> but I have that as well. Like to me, your story it sounds like you did loads. You did. You were like exemplary. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. You should get a badge for that. You did very well. But with your 
you can always fault yourself for these things. Oh, yeah. And maybe that's part... Maybe if you didn't do that, you wouldn't learn and you wouldn't be able to... I well, don't I think, know, what's, you know. what's the other alternative? Do you yeah. look back and think, I did everything really well. I was the most amazing. Like, what, what then? We have a world full of Donald Trumps and yeah. that is not what we need right no, we now. We do not need I that. was amazing. I did everything right. I was the best. I did things bigly. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you just don't do that, do you? You look that's back so and kind of yeah. pick things apart. And... That's the thing is like, but I guess the thing is like, you need to pick it apart and then you need to stop. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it's perfectly okay to pick it apart and go could I have done this could I have done this should I have done that sure because then sometimes you might be like oh yeah maybe I could have had that conversation yeah. but it was hard they were yeah. ill and then you need to go okay now but, I but let I didn't, that go and that was it I didn't yeah, and that was you it you can't go back and I think sometimes if you don't allow yourself to talk about the shame and the guilt you mm. never get that's it you never get to the point where you go I mean I guess I did my best yeah. and you have to go through the icky bit of like oh should I have done more and I think talking about it to someone mm. and having someone go no, it sounds like you did everything. You can then sort of tell them upstairs in your head. Yeah. Well, so and my friend says I did everything, and they're like, mm, okay, well, maybe we'll change our opinion. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you need that's the processing, isn't it? Of, and I think sometimes, like, everyone else has their, their own journey and their own way of getting to that point. Yeah. But yeah. writing things down really helped kind of clarify things, and talking about it a lot has obviously helped to kind of clarify things. And you get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm so done with talking about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hearing other people's stories you think oh my god you did that too i just thought i was completely batshit for thinking that or doing that or it's amazing like that. the things that you think make you very strange yeah and then you're like oh <laughs> not the only one yeah you know perhaps that's how people with fetishes feel <laughs> like, it's only perhaps. me yeah. and then the internet came along and they're like there's loads, there's loads of, us. of me <laughs> that's what, yeah exactly well it's an incredible book and an incredible story and i just think the more people talk about and understand, yeah. especially something like Alzheimer's, which, like you said, can be Oh, God, it's such a huge, huge thing that's coming towards all of us and that it, yeah. it's really growing and there's a huge problem with the ageing population and the social care that's yeah. going to be vastly underfunded within our lifetimes. That, yeah, we, do, we do need to talk about it. We do need to find ways to deal with it. And I just kind of wanted to finish by, by reading a bit because I heard oh, something yeah, yeah. the other day which kind of made me think, oh, that, oh, that's a good point. I'm like, oh, no, I kind of wrote something like that. <laughs> oh, and please it's about do. Kind of, it's like right at the end of the book and it's just about kind of how, how you deal with things. And I wrote a letter to my mum and dad at the end of the book and it just says, I love and I laugh just as you both would have. I don't believe in the saying, time is a great healer. It's just not true. You don't get over it and you don't move on. The best we can hope for is that we find something to cling on to. Some light, some hope, some way of dealing with the loss. You don't ever get anything to fill that hole, that gaping void. You just put up some warning signs and you work around it, acknowledging that it is there, but knowing that you can exist with it. And I think that's kind of how I feel, is that it is there, it is shit, it isn't going away. It doesn't really get better. The edges kind of soften, bits get sanded off it, and you find a way to live with it, and you find good things to look back on and building them so that they shine brighter than the dark bits that kind of tear you apart when you watch those adverts where that girl gets married and her dad walks her down the aisle yeah. and you think, that's never going to happen, or... You know, someone walks past you in the dairy aisle of Tesco's wearing your mum's perfume and you just completely <laughs> drop your shopping and have to sit in the car park yeah. for half an hour crying. Because it does come come for you in weird ways. But I think that's really beautiful. Really, really lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in, Robin, and talking oh, thanks, to me. Thanks for having me. About Marjorie and... And David. And David. Yeah. Mum and Dad. Mum and Dad. Thank you. Thank you. 
You can follow Robin on Twitter at My Mad Dad Story. Uh, you can buy the book as well, My Mad Dad, The Diary of an Unraveling Mind. It's published by Trapeze and it's available at all good bookshops or wherever you get your books from. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast and you can email thegriefcast at gmail.com. The show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios and the music is provided by the Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.